Last session, what do you talk about? So many things. I mean, 66 books of the Bible, you're like, I don't know what to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. So I'm, for your sake, though, and for travel people, I'm only going to go for about 30 minutes. You can start your clock. If I go over and you're ready to leave, that's fine. A lot of people already have. So just thank you for remaining as long as you have. Um, I just know I, don't, I need to keep growing. So anything I can get to pour into me, I'm always here till the, I'll, I'll shut the place down. So um, CMN, Church Multiplication Network, you are part of one of the leading church multiplying districts in the nation. Pastor Mark, it's out of his heart and vision, the whole leadership team. Doug Vogley, uh, your church multiplication director. Um, if you want to plant a church, you're in the, one of the best places literally in the nation to do that. But I want to also let you know you're part of something bigger than just what's happening here. So last year, across the nation, we planted 265 churches. And we celebrate, thanks for holding your applause. Um, <laughs> we celebrate every one of those churches that were planted. We do. We just say, to God be the glory, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Obviously, we're, we're coming out of COVID. It's, it's like 100 more than we've done, you know, the last few years. Uh, but we want to plant 500 churches a year. And if we did that, that wouldn't be enough. So no one in our office is ever going to get injured patting themselves on the back. Because we got a lot of work to do. If Jesus is not our last hope, he's our only hope, we need more churches, not less. And so let's fight for people. Let's invite every pastor in the room. You should ask every staff member, is God calling you to plant a church? Why? It'll bless you. You bless them more by sending them, by keeping them. I know that doesn't make sense. Whenever we multiply, and we did it five times, um, every time we sent people, we sent our best. And you know what God did? He's like, thank you. I'm going to bless you with more people. There's a cost, but this is a kingdom endeavor. So since 2008, CMN, Assemblies of God Church Planting, we have seen 4,567 churches planted across our nation. And we just say, God, you get all the glory and help us do it more. Help us do it again. Well, I want to jump into the uh, closing session teaching today. Uh, I want to open with just a simple line. There are kingdom consequences to our decisions. And some decisions don't seem big. In fact, most decisions that we make are not even like monumental. But what happens is they start to stack up, right? Now, how many of you want to live a life that's marked by forgiveness? Let me see your hands. You know, forgiving someone one time doesn't make you forgiving, how about, show, show your hand if you want to be generous. I want to be a generous person. You know, being generous in a moment doesn't make you generous. And I, I want to talk about courage today. And how many of us want to be courageous? All of us do. But one moment of generosity doesn't make you generous. And one moment of forgiveness doesn't make you forgiving. And one act of courage doesn't mean you're courageous. It's when they start to stack up. And I want to invite you to stack some stuff on courageous decisions you've already made that have put you in this room, in the roles you're in, loving communities. There's an urgency that should mark us. Because if Jesus, again, is our last hope, not our only hope, no problem. But he's our only hope. And people that don't know him, apart from him, they will end, spend eternity separated from God. That was not his plan from the beginning, and we get to be a part of stopping that in people's lineage and setting a whole new heritage and legacy for their home. How many are first-generation Christian? Let me see your hands. 
I am second generation. I'm a PK um, in that I'm a Portman kid, okay? I, I didn't grow up in ministry. My dad, as, as I mentioned, was a logger. But what I saw my parents do was love the church, lean into the church, be a part of giving and serving. And, and it, it started something in me that it reminded me that little acts lead to lasting impact. And that's what you're bringing every day to the community God's called you to. To go to places you've never been before, you have to go past where you normally stop. And we want to get to places we've never been, but we don't always want to take the step to get past where we normally stop. So today's talk is, is centered around, it's an old story with ongoing implications. And it's the story of God's people in the Exodus. In Numbers 13, they had already been, uh, Moses had been sent by God to tell, invite Pharaoh, ask Pharaoh kindly, gently, 10 plagues later, you can go, right? And uh, they're now on the first attempt to get into the promised land. And I say first, because you know, as Bible scholars, they didn't get in the first time. But here's the story. Numbers 13, God says, I want you to send people in, send in 12 spies, check out the land. And that's exactly what they did. And we pick it up in Numbers 13 when they have come back. And here is their report. This was their report. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. How many of you as a kid heard about the grapes? The grapes of Goshen on, carried on a pole. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Let me say this to every pastor in the room. Of course there are giants in the land. Let's not be surprised when we have stuff that we come up against that feels like a giant. But you know what? You're also giant killers. So it's not that there are giants in the land only, but there are giant killers walking among us, and that's this room. That's the pastors and leaders of the Minnesota district who are on, called on purpose for a purpose. I, I don't, I, sometimes I get surprised at situations, and I'm like, why am I surprised? God told me in this world you'll have trouble. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. There's all these reminders that we're going to have adversity. They said, we can't go. There are giants. And Caleb stands up. And I love the courage of Caleb. He says, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. And there's 10 of them going, I'm just really, really big. I love this lens. The conversation continues. But the other men after Caleb says, let's do this. What was his act in that moment? A simple act of courage. Because he saw the same thing everyone else saw. But he saw it different. You understand this? There's a different lens. One group says, we can't go, they're too big. The other group says, we can't miss because they're too big. One group says, we can't go, they're giants. And the other group says, we can't miss, they're giants. Just a different perspective. And Caleb's like, we, we can do this. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We know it's the 10, right? Versus the two. They disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report among God's people, the Israelites. The land we traveled to, through and explored, will devour anyone who goes to live there. The word spreads. That's a lot of good stuff, but there's giants. All the people we saw there 
were huge. I want to talk about perspective for just a second. So my wife and I love the local church. In every season and assignment in ministry, we have been physically and, and actively engaged in a local church. We go to North Point Church two Sundays a month when we're not traveling because every pastor needs a pastor, right? And throughout our time of ministry, we were youth pastors for 10 years, DYD for 10 years. We love students. By the way, 82% of people that say yes to, do, to Jesus do so before 12. So if you want to win, win with kids. You want to win, invest with kids. You want to win, pray for kids. Create a space. Have something for, for kids, youth and, and, and kids. Well, you, know what, you know why? Because then when Josiah and Micah get them as young adults and they partner with your ministry, now it's on mission instead of rescuing them. So we were a part of small groups for years, and my wife led a junior high small group. <laughs> These girls were amazing. And one day I came home, it's a Saturday, uh, and I walked into our house, and immediately I was like, <sighs> you could hear angels singing. They were baking chocolate chip cookies. Come on, how many of there? You just had a moment with me right there, right? So I sat down, I'm watching a game, and, uh, I, the, and the girls are so excited. I'm their youth pastor, and they're so excited to... Um, to make me a special chocolate chip cookie. And it's going to be a big one. I'm like, <laughs> thank you. And uh, so they're in there. And somehow, somewhere along the way, well, I I'll say this. I'm on the couch anticipating, you know, like you just, you're, you're, you're like, it's like you just can't wait. You, your senses are engaged. This is be good. And so one of the little girls, Naomi, brings the, 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 the uh, plate out. It had to be a plate. It can't be a napkin. It's a big cookie. And she goes, here, Pastor Jeff, we made this for you. I'm like, oh, thank you. I took a huge bite. And immediately, have you ever licked a salt lick, anyone? <laughs> so apparently what happened was the instructions got, um, the ingredients got some, jumbled somehow. I don't know if it was the baking salt or baking soda or whatever, but there was too much of something. And um, what's interesting was, how do I respond? I'm like, and I just said, Wow. Because that was all I could think of that wouldn't crush her spirit, but still was me being kind of honest, right? I'm, at this point, I'm like, I, I for sure have a heart disease. I feel diabetes just racing towards me, right? And that's a sugar and salt thing, but um, and here's what's interesting. When you think about chocolate chip cookies, when you look at the stack, if they're on a plate of stacked chocolate chip cookies, which one do you pick? You go to, to the one that has the most... Why? Because the chocolate chips are the star of the show, right? But you know, you don't get a chocolate chip without the flour. None of you today, when you get home, you're like, you know, he talked about flour earlier. I've been craving a big mouthful of flour. You just, just, <coughs> it's kind of driving so good. None of you think that. But here's the thing. You can't have a chocolate chip cookie without flour. And an egg, I think, and I don't, I don't bake, but... Um, I know there's baking salt and soda at some point, sometimes in excess, right? But the star of the show is chocolate chips. And listen, some of us in this room, you don't feel like the star of the show. And I'm telling you, you're still important. We think, well, it's the people who, whatever, are up front or have the, the job or the money or whatever. But God says, no, just be faithful. If you're flour, be the best flour you can be. If you're baking soda, if you're baking salt, listen, very few people are chocolate chips. And by the way, it's not the most important part. It's just the most obvious part. Listen, there was these, these, this thinking, well, I, I, we can't go into the land because we're full of fear. It's just kind of how I am. 
You ever have anybody you pastor that just kind of says, well, then, pastor, this is just kind of how I am. And to them, I say, can I come to your house? Because if you have a dog, I'm going to kick it. And then I go to their house and I kick their dog and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is just how I am. I grew up in a family of puppy kickers. I don't know, it's maybe a different story. I shove old people. You're like, what are you, I'm like, this is just, none of you would be like, oh, that's just how you are. I didn't, that's my fault. I didn't know that. None of you would think that's okay. And yet sometimes you view yourself through the, this is all I am. And you think you're a sales rack, but God paid full price for you. Listen, you can walk in confidence. If God calls you to it, be you, but no, he's going to do what he has to do to help accomplish the mission. We need a bunch of flour. We need a bunch of salt. We need, we need some chocolate chips occasionally. What we need is everybody. And, and in this moment, when God's people are poised for the promise, you know what they did? They shrunk back. And I call it the sway of they. It's that loud voice. It's the sway. It's people that they, they don't have faith. They're choosing fear over faith. But they dictate the trajectory of a ministry, of a community, and sometimes even of a family. And some of us might say this, well, like, I don't want to be one of those, this is just how I am. You know, once, once I finish school, after I've settled into this new season, when I'm married, when I have grandkids, when, when the debt's paid, this summer, I mean, really, when it's summer, there's a lot of snow. So when it's summer, and, and here's the thing, um, once eyes and when eyes and after eyes will always be there. The question is, what has God called you to? And what is he inviting you into? It, promised land for them was a literal place. For us, it's more than a place. It's a perspective based on a person, Jesus Christ. And what he's called you to is to bring the good news, the gospel, into your community. But I realize, having lived on the front line of ministry, now I'm like cheering other people on who are, I realize this way of they can be sometimes paralyzing. And it can create these uncertainty and, 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 and insecurity in us. And here, here's what I wrote down. Insecurity always invites me to be someone I'm not. When in, insecurity whispers in your ear, it never says, you're awesome. You got this. Who cares what everyone else is saying? God called you to this. That It never speaks truth. It always speaks a lie. And sometimes the sway of they is that voice of insecurity that just keeps... And then, we, and then we slip into, well, this is kind of how I am. No, that's not. You're a, you're a man or woman of God. You're a child of God. And listen, by the way, you can have courage. You've already acted in courage. Men in this room, how many know it took courage to ask that lady who might be sitting next to you to go on a date? You know what I'm talking about, bro? You had to step out in faith. And he's like, she, I, I'm out kicking my coverage here. I'm just saying, though, you want to go out with me? You already have done courageous things. How many of you have taught your kids to drive a car? <laughs> I had jet black hair before we started teaching our boys to drive a car. <laughs> How many of you stepped out in, into a new community or launched a new ministry? You've already done a whole bunch of acts of courage. We just don't think they're courageous because we already did them. And God continues to invite us deeper in. Insecurity always invites me to be someone I'm not. But I love what security does. Invites me to be who God says I am. Because my security is not in who I am, but in what? Who he is. Amen. So we got to choose. What does comfort and compromise say? Which is what that, the 10, the sway of they said. Hold off until all the questions are answered. 
By the way, courage doesn't mean you don't have clarity. It just means you don't always have to have all the answers. Comfort and, and compromise say don't risk it. Make sure everything is lined up. And someone else will do what God's called me to do. It's not on the slide, but I wrote in my notes. If we're not careful, we become paralyzed by the certainty of uncertainties. You're like, I'm going into a new place, a new assignment, and I'm, I'm certain there's going to be stuff I don't know what to do, so I'm just am not going to go. You, you got to allow courage to rise up in you. Why? Because courage is something that you can give to someone else. Courage and compromise are both contagious. So here's the question. Which one are you passing off? Which one, which one are you handing off to the people closest to you, to your family, to the next generation? What does courage say? Let's roll. <laughs> Let's roll. God's with us. You remember the um, Israelites had had a couple of cool things happen to get them out of slavery? Remember that? Remember reading that? So it's not like what God called them to do. They're like, I don't think you could do that. <laughs> All you had to do was look back and glance and be reminded of the goodness of God the provision of God, the power of God, the supernatural way God works in the lives of his people. You have to remember what God already did. And that's what courage says. You gotta trust the writer of your story. Is God trustworthy? <laughs> He's got a really good track record. I think sometimes, many times, I've been guilty of not stepping out because I didn't have all the clarity I thought I needed God's like, okay, I was going to surprise you, but now I can't. Isn't it true we all want a miracle? We just don't want a situation or circumstance that requires a miracle. Right. Like, oh, we always celebrate with you. You say, oh, look at that miraculous response. Yeah, because they created some space, some margin. We're like, I can't, but God can. That's, that's what God's calling us to again, again. And I realized that's why we talk about pioneers and settlers. We talk about delayed destiny. Because sometimes after you've stepped out, you're like, I just feel like I need a break. And listen, margin and creating space for grace is critical. But it's not always where you're supposed to live. You can't always be in the sidelines. You can't always be the dude who makes one good run and then you're on the sidelines with oxygen. The game's not over. It's not. The game's not over. Courage says, God didn't ask someone else. So whatever God asked me to do, and only you can know what that is, he'll confirm that. But only you can do what God asked you to do. No one else can do your job. Can someone else do something similar? Yeah, but no one else is you. What's the, what's the next step of Courage as a settler or a pioneer that God's calling you to today? Maybe it's just an invitation. God, what do, you want, what do you want me to do next? And you know what he might say? Keep doing what you're already doing. Awesome. How many are like, that's kind of what I hope for. <laughs> but what if he says, I want you to, are you going to say yes to that as well? By the way, if you want to keep courage in your life, you have to avoid storm chasers. And storm chasers are those people that only can operate in chaos. Y'all, someone's face popped into your head when I said that. Or a whole family. <laughs> you see them across the room, you're like, 
oh Lord, did they see me? Right? You're like, yeah, it's a small room. Of course they saw you. <laughs> Storm chasers are courage crushers. So what you have to be careful of is who has the loudest voice in your life? Is it God first? Key voices of faith and courage and, and, and believing in you and standing with you and praying for you? Or is it the sway of they? Here's what the sway of they sounds like. Numbers 14. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. Like, honestly, the whole, the whole provision of God got lost. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder or they'll see the miraculous hand of God. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? What they're saying is, I just, we, we gotta go back. And so what do they do? They begin to plot among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and let's go back to slavery. I said it earlier, courage and compromise are both contagious. That's why these, these acts of courage, they have to keep stacking up on, on themselves. These acts of clarity, because people can't follow you if you don't have clarity, right? Clarity brings confidence, confusion brings chaos. And it, what happens is sometimes people will follow us, but we don't know where we're going, so we're like, yeah, let's go. And then you're like, we've been here. This side looks very familiar. You do have to have clarity. What has God called you to do? What does it look like to love your community? What is, it, what is your discipleship pathway? Healthy churches have a clear discipleship pathway. Healthy networks and districts have a clear multiplication strategy. Is it clear? What are you calling people to? And if it's clear, guess what? Courage starts to rise up in them. And here's what Caleb says. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a, a, it's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Notice he's not saying, don't, don't listen to these Yahoo. He's saying, what did God say? Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey. Remember the lens. We can't go there. They're giant. And Caleb's like, we can't miss them. They're giants. It's a different perspective. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Do you believe that today? The Lord is with you. You know what? The Lord is not just here with you. He's working in your community, in your town, in your neighborhood. Because he's wooing people to himself. And he finishes by saying, do not be afraid of them. Well, we know the story. The sway of they wins out. And they decide we can't go in. And God was so angry, he says, I'm going to kill everybody. And then Moses advocates for the people, and God relents. And he says, okay, but anyone who is 20 years old or older will not go into the promised land. I'm not trying to put too much weight into this because I want to stay theologically correct. But I think sometimes the, the influence of a leader has a ripple effect that's probably bigger than we think. Now, we don't save people, so that's where it can be theologically off. But I'm telling you, God uses humans. He uses you. He uses men. He uses women. He uses teenagers and, and, and kids who are on mission, loving Jesus in front of other people. But Caleb says, no. 
The story of Joshua and Caleb is really worth diving into. For sake of time today, there's so many things I can't share. But here's how God responds to Caleb's courage and faith. He says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. I love that. God, (laughs) help me have a different spirit. Help me have a different spirit. And follows me wholeheartedly. By the way, those are connected. You want to have a different spirit? Follow God wholeheartedly. And then he sets you apart. I will bring you into the land you went to, he went to, excuse me, and his descendants will inherit it. There will be a ripple effect in your life for you choosing courage and following Jesus. You ever throw a rock into a pond or a lake? It, and then what happens is there's a ripple effect and it reverberates beyond where you can even see with the human eye. There's a little, little ripple. And that's us acting in faith, operating courage, giving ourselves, God, I feel like I'm a little pebble, but listen, you can use me. I might be the flower, but listen, we need flower. Whatever I have, God, I give to you. I I say yes. Now you fast forward 40 years and listen to what we read. Today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me. Let that be our prayer. A little back pain, but really strong. When Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as I could then. He says, I can still travel and fight now as I could then. And then he says this, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. Let me ask this. Everyone, everyone listen. What's the promise that God gave you that you set, set down or let go of? Is there something that he gave you that he, he just deposited in your spirit and for whatever reason, it got sidetracked, delayed, distraction, whatever the case, I think God's asking us, let's clean it off and pick it up again. If the Lord is with me, he says, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. I finish with this. Why can you today, why can we today choose courage? I'm gonna give you three really quick thoughts. Number one, and for the alliteration people, I'll help with that too. Number one, because Christ's invitation to follow him includes the promise he'll go with us. So here's the alliteration. He goes with us. Why can you have courage when you leave today? Because God is going with you. Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the second reason. Because the Holy Spirit, who is God, guides us. Jesus doesn't just go with us. He guides us. When my wife and I and our family, and actually Derek and his family lived in Renton, there was a family in our church called the Lee family. And Mr. Lee uh, worked on what's called the east side. So he'd, co- he'd drive over Highway 169, go over Tiger Mountain. And one particular day, and he'd done this many times, but one particular day, he gets off work, he drives to Tiger Mountain, he parks his car, and he goes hiking. Well, that's not unusual. But the problem is he went by himself. It's now 6 p.m., no big deal. It's now 8 p.m. He should be getting home by now. His wife begins to call around. He has six kids, by the way. Um, hey, has anyone heard from dad? Nope, no one's heard from dad. She gets nervous. There's a time period they have to be gone before it's a lost person incident. So they call the police, and now it's nighttime. And they're like, it wouldn't even help if we searched right now. It's pitch black up there. There's no light. There's no power. So that next morning, they start a search and rescue mission. First, it was hours. That's a full day. 
and it's two days, and there's no sign of him. Cars in the parking lot, married, family with six kids. Here's the problem. When you go somewhere on your own and you don't have the guide of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's very common to get lost. We say, I, don't, I got this, God, and God's like, I'll be right here if you need me. Instead of saying, God, where are we going? And you let him guide you. So he goes with us, right? Is that a promise we hold on to? Jesus is going to go with us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Here's the last thing. You're part of a pack. Why can you have courage? Because you're part of a group that's bigger than you. And I know you get it. You feel it. This is such an incredible gathering. And I know there's other expressions throughout the year. But I'm telling you, when, when you're part of a pack, you got to stay in the pack. It's when you peel off, you get picked off. That's a fact. You ever watch National Geographic or Animal Planet or any of those specials, Discovery? You have Channel 9, right? And they follow the, the pride of lion, and they're following the kudu or the springbok or the zebra or whatever. And the pride of lion that are just the kings of the, the jungle um, or Serengeti um, can take out anything. But what they do is they wait for one of the animals to what? Peel out of the pack. You've seen it. it. They wait for that, that zebra that's not paying attention. And all of a sudden, the, all, of their, all of the other zebra people are, you know, animals are over there. Um, the pack, I don't know what they're called. Horde, cohort, right? They're all over there. And this zebra has wandered off by himself. And they're like, okay, that's who I'm going to take out. Why, why do we need each other? There's power in the pack. There's power in partnership. There's power in not going alone. Who do you celebrate with? They don't think you're bragging. And who will fight for you and stand with you? Ban, I'm about to close. When you're like, I don't, I don't even think I can keep going. And they're like, no, give me your hand. We're going to keep going. Link arms with me. I know um, m- most of us are not huge fans of the Tour de France, but there's some incredible principles we get from it. It's 80 plus hours on a bike, over 1,200 miles on hills and valleys and straightaways. Now, there's a group that's in the front called the Peloton. That name became popular about five years ago when this, you know, fitness bike craze came out. And it's a great, a great tool for, for fitness. But they took the name Peloton and they branded it on this bike. But what Peloton really means, I want you to see a picture here. Peloton is the people in the front of the pack. And I'm telling you right now, every pastor in this room, you are in the Peloton of ministry in Minnesota. You are in the front of the pack. You're leading the charge for your churches. But I want you to look to the very, very back right there. In the back, almost in the back row there, there is, and I I wrote this down because I want to get it accurate. That person in the back in the yellow, that person is shielded. In fact, 2018 journal, I'm sure you've already read this, but Journal of Wind Engineering and Industrial Aerodynamics. So I'm just quoting what you know. Um, It says this, they did all of the, the data, they had all of the you know, sensors on, and here's what they discovered. The rider that is in the pack at the back is shielded by 95% of the wind that everyone else is feeling. So here's the reason that they put the best rider in that spot, because there's points where they need to jump out and sprint, where they're going to do the mountain climb. But when, when they need to go, they need to have the energy and the strength, and you know how they have it? Because other people have been piercing the wind for them. Other pastors, 
that have been saying, I know you're struggling. Get in behind me. Let me be the person that shields you. Let me, let me fight for you. You need a weekend off? I'll come preach for you. It, it's, this, it's this peloton of pastors and leaders that give us courage. You ride farther. You've already spoken on, I'm sure the geese go, you know, 85% further when they're flying together in the V. Listen, the word peloton in French, which is where they get it, was small ball. But I'm telling you, in the, in the Greek, it means fearless or daring. And I'm reminding you today, every pastor in every community, whatever you're going back to, you're part of this peloton. And you stay in the pack and you're protected. You're shielded. And there is a productivity and an advancement and a sheltering that you can't get when you're by yourself. What'll happen is they call it a rogue rider. And it's someone that breaks off from the pack and they'll try to sprint ahead. And often, oftentimes, it's initially like, oh, they're gonna win the race. And then what happens is slowly but surely, the pack catches up to that individual. And some of us have these whispers in our mind. Um, you better just go do your own thing. Don't lean in. Don't, don't, don't get your team credentialed. Get that money for your church. You want to be part of the Peloton and actually go further, far, farther, further, faster? Lean in, not out. Invite people to, to stand in front of you and shield you. And then when it's their turn to rest, you get in front of them. Daring. That's what this group is. I want to pray courage over you today. Not for the first time. Just you being here, you've, your life's already marked by being courageous. And whether you're a pioneer or a settler, you need courage. You know why you need courage? Because you need to give some of your courage to other people. When you give courage, oh, man, I think about some mentors in my life. I think about my wife in seasons where I'm just like, I just, I feel beat down. I feel discouraged. I feel underqualified. My wife and I had to steal. Let's not be depressed on the same day. We try to, you know, balance each other out. <laughs> you cannot be discouraged today. It's my day, right? But you just have, there's a partnership. And I think about pastors and, and mentors and people are just farther ahead. You know what they are? They're part of the pack. They're part of the peloton. And they're reminding you that courage is not something else, something other people have, but it's something you have. And if you need some of mine, when I'm full of it, I'm gonna give it to you. But because this is a power of partnership, when I'm weary, I'm gonna lean into you. I know most of you in this room today have moments where you're like, man, this is me at my best. And then there's other days you're like, I just... God, I want to be used, but I, don't, I feel like the flower. Whatever season you're in, you need courage. Would you do this across this room? Would you stand?